Variety Magazine calls it a mishmash of violence, psychodrama, and lukewarm kitty comedy. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times says it's made up of parts that shouldn't fit, but somehow they do, making a slick entertainment out of the improbable, the impossible, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And about its straight-to-VOD sequel, Amazon user Josh says, Y'all, this was terrible. On this episode of Ruben Childhoods, we decide the fate of Kindergarten Cop. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. It's Rune Childhoods. It's your boy Dan here with my bro, John. <laughs> it's your boy Dan. That's a new one. That's a new one. Yeah. I, I yeah, really, I never heard that before. I don't plan these out. Beyond greeting Starfighter, it's kind of like I'm just I'm I'm like a pilot taken off into the fog. And you you planned that out like a year and a half ago. Greeting Starfighter. So there's been no new planning out. No. Yeah. Greetings. I mean, that's just laid in there. That's the you know you're. That's, that's what we do. That's who we are. That's what we do. Uh, but yeah. after that, it's just kind of whatever comes out of my mouth. You know what? Whatever words <laughs> I call it, water slide brain. It's kind of like when whatever words happen up in your head, they they're like on the water slide. There's no friction. There's nothing holding them back, and they're just going whoosh right down out the mouth. Um, and this time it was it's your boy Dan. It's your boy Dan. Yeah. Okay. I uh, well. Okay. Welcome to Ruin Childhoods, <laughs> the podcast where we watch cult classic whatever movies and we discuss the theories that we have the concepts that we create about what we would do with those whether it be a prequel a sequel a reboot a stage adaptation a series you whatever you can think of we talk about what they could possibly be nowadays and what would be what we would prefer what we as fans would prefer and Boy, oh boy, are we fans of the movie that we're talking about on this episode. So much. You you see it on your podcast app. You're reading it in the description. We're talking Kindergarten Cop today. But I've got, I've got one more thing for the cutting edge. Go for it. I think I talked to you about this uh, off mic. But what we didn't discuss was the kind of unofficial parody of this movie, which is Blades of Glory. Yes. And a fine film, even down, even down with Blades of Glory is great. Uh, It's so funny. But even down to like the final move that they may or may not do, which is essentially the Pamchenko. (laughs) But like the the one one person grabs the other by the feet and they spin them around and lift them up and down and then let go. And then they like. Well, this is a Blades of Glory thing. I don't know if this is what the Pamchenko does, but they like spin around and the blade goes like really close underneath the person's head, right against their throat, pretty much. And uh, uh, yeah. had only been attempted one time in North Korea and it decapitated the participant. So it's ah uh, chef's kiss beautiful i feel like the the danger in the pamchenko is that if you are the swinger you run the risk of smashing the your, the swingy's head like a met like you are gallagher and that head is a watermelon like yeah. just against and the <laughs> yeah. ice is your sledgehammer like well i also i have to say i don't think i've laughed harder at any of our podcast stuff as I did when I was editing our last episode with Millie DeCherico, yes. who's uh, curating our month of of films. And, uh, and thank you to Millie. And Millie is so yes. funny. I just really had such a good time. And after we recorded, I listened to the Dan and Dave, <laughs> you know, 30 for 30 podcast and... 
oh man, there's so much about that that I forgot or like didn't even know. And it's just amazing. I'm so glad that that came up. You never know. Like you never know where, where it's going to take us with, with these movies where we're, and especially with the cutting edge and Millie's love for that movie was, was like, was contagious. I felt like, yeah, I honestly went into the recording kind of in a different frame of mind. And once we started talking about it, it just was, I was enjoying it so much that I didn't have any, any of my like, well, blah, 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 about this. Like it was all just gone and mm-hmm. uh, really fun conversation. Yeah. I considered uh, in tweeting about it, actually calling out DB Sweeney by name, but I don't think that he would have appreciated being called Droopy Paul Rudd. So I decided uh, to not tag him. You know, it's a compliment. Any type of Paul Rudd is a compliment. That is true. But droopy, droopy anything is, that one kind of hurts. What am I supposed to, then um, uh, Then you know what, know. I'll call Paul Rudd the Nip Tuck DB Sweeney and we're good to go. Fair enough. Done. There we go. So do you have any one more things for the cutting edge? Uh, only that what I forgot to mention in my proposal for the Boz Lerman cutting edge, which <laughs> I proposed as as a film, not as a stage musical, but you never know. I forgot to mention the possibility, and I, this is kind of cliche, but a what if your your skaters, your Doug and Kate, if you will, were will. Um, one was Israeli and the other Palestinian. Oh, and what if this Olymp and, and if this this is like you know we we got to find harmony here before someone loses a head. Very interesting. It like in Blades of Glory. Yeah. Yes, of course. And I, I, by the way, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to it other than to say this. My mind is still in that like Ishtar, like break. I was just going to guess, were you, are you thinking of Ishtar I've still? I've there are still things that I, that I'm looking more closely into that we discussed about Ishtar that. I just would love to sit down with Elaine May and it's rare. Like I usually am not, I, I fear having discussions with people I admire greatly because I fear not having anything to say or having water slide brain. Oh yeah. Which is what happened. I met one, um, I met president Clinton and Mm -hmm. this was through my wife who was working for the Clinton foundation at the time. And she was working on the the commitments team and he mentioned something about the movie commitments and the fact that like the fact okay. that I was standing there and really had nothing, not much to discuss with President Clinton, you know, in that in that setting. And then he's like he brought up a movie and it was like the floodgates were opened I was like, "Oh, that's a great movie. We could watch that. It's on Netflix. Let's go." I'd not, I'd not him. You see, I I didn't invite President Clinton. I thought that where you were going with this was going to be about primary colors. Oh, well, there's the your Elaine May connection. Wonderful. Right. That's where. That's where I thought you were. No, 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 no. It wasn't that relevant. No, but but Elaine (laughs) May. I feel like I could sit down with Elaine May for an hour and talk to her about. Ishtar and only Ishtar, and I would not run out of questions. Well, Elaine May, if you are listening, ruinchildhoodspot at gmail.com. Let's get it going. Let's make this there happen. There is so much I, I want to know. Well, what I want to say about Ishtar is that it it's definitely make, giving me a lot to think about in terms of what my favorite Charles Grodin performance is, because <sighs> I love Charles Grodin. Midnight Run. I'm a big Clifford fan. He's great in Dave. Like, and those are some of those, some of those like the lower lonely guy that he's done. Uh, well, and that's the thing is, I really want to. I don't know if I've ever seen the Heartbreak Kid. I've watched like the trailer for it, but now I'm like Charles Grodin plus Elaine May. I know I like. I, I've never seen it either. I, I, Ishtar is the only Ooh. Elaine May directed film that I have seen. I we're adding it to oh, the list. Oh, I, I mean, I've added all of her films to my to do list. Right on. Well, may as well make it. May home as well. 
Ooh. It being the month of May. I know. Though, well, and... Yes? No, no, go and, on. Oh, I was going to segue. Are you ready? Please. And it is very, it is very appropriately today uh, National Teacher Appreciation Day. I don't know if it's national or international, but... Yeah, we're recording this. Yes. A week before this is coming. Yes, we are recording this on. So perhaps it might have been slightly more appropriate for us to have had this episode come out today, but it is what it is. But it feels good that we're recording it today because it is National Teacher Appreciation Day. And Dan, you are a teacher. I am. That's not why I brought this up, by the way. But it's information. It is. It is information. I'm a I'm a teacher, and I do keep with me on my desk. I had a couple of students a couple of months ago while we were in school. They brought me this little like chocolate apple. Said huh. number one, number one teacher, and wow! How do you make an apple the opposite of healthy? <laughs> make it out of chocolate. And wrap it in foil and let it sit <laughs> on a supermarket. No, but I, so the, you you may have noticed I haven't eaten it because it, right. it, it means much more to me as kind of a memento and a reminder of, of why I'm doing this. And so this is a great opportunity right now for me to, I want to shout out all the teachers out there. It's like everyone's got challenges right now, whether you are a classroom teacher who isn't familiar with a lot of the tech tools that we're now kind of required to use and you're figuring it out and you're teaching yourself and you're learn you're like, you're learning that. That's awesome. Keep, keep doing it. I've been dabbling in some, you know, experimenting with different things digitally myself. And I think it's so rewarding. There's, there's those teachers like me who are also have kids at home that they're trying to, you know, Work. We care for their education as well, but now the times of the day that we devote to caring about the education of other people's kids and our own are all interwoven. So I'm responding to messages from my high school students while I'm teaching my kindergarten students, a.k.a. my daughter and her friend. Right. Yes. I, I mean, very appropriate that you are currently a part-time kindergarten surrogate teacher i am so feeling this movie right now yeah it's kind of perfect timing to be covering this one and when millie put this on her list of suggestions for us for this month it was like well we're definitely doing kindergarten cop yes yes and for for reasons that i'll get into after we hear the the synopsis i am just so in sync with with this movie these days, not because I am hunting an elusive drug kingpin with an alliterative name, but because, as John said, I am a part-time kindergarten teacher, but I am a full-time high school teacher, and there is a reason why I teach high school. <laughs> yeah. So. So you've teed it up. Shall I go into the synopsis? Uh, yeah, but just one last like shout out. If you get, like raise a drink to the teachers that that you know. Everyone's working hard right now, but like teachers, man, you're always putting it out there. And what you're doing right now is, is, is keeping the, keeping the machine running. So I'm going to keep it up on my end. You keep it up on your end, John. Yeah. Synopsis. Undercover cop John Kimball has been trying to bust drug kingpin Cullen Crisp for four years. And after a junkie witness can testify that Crisp murdered her boyfriend, Kimball finally has a way to get him behind bars. That leaves a major loose end. Crisp has an ex-wife and son who disappeared years prior, and intel suggests that they're in Astoria, Oregon, and his son is in kindergarten at Astoria Elementary. Kimball is paired up with Phoebe, a cop who happens to be a former kindergarten teacher. They'll go to Astoria together, she'll try to find the kid, while Kimball finds the ex. After Phoebe is faced with a bout of food poisoning, Kimball is faced with no option but to switch roles and pose as a substitute kindergarten teacher. While trying to figure out which kid is Crisp's son, Kimball learns how to be an ally to six-year-olds, make nice with school administration, and even fall for the teacher down the hall whose kid happens to be in his class. Over a few days, and dates, 
Kimball concludes that the woman he's dating is Crisp's ex, and he's out of prison and on his way to come get his kid. Not on Kimball's watch. So that's my synopsis. As always, leaving out a lot of um, key points, but that's the general thing that's going on. Dan, I'm trying to think of really what to cover next because there's so much. Uh, Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays John Kimball. We can start there. Penelope Ann Miller plays Joyce, his love interest. What's the guy's name who plays Chris? Chris Richard Tyson of Three O'Clock Richard High. Tyson. That's right. Oh my God, I did not even realize that that was him. That I mean, that's the one other thing that I could definitely. I was going through on you know, like on IMDb, you can there's like photos of the. Person, like the actor or whatever that you're looking at and I was flipping through and it's a lot of like po- like DVD cover art or whatever and it's a lot of like him in like a very provocative situation with a woman <laughs> that's what most of them are also want to do a big shout out to Linda Hunt who plays the the principal who's so good oh Linda Hunt is great I love the scene after Arnold hits the the abusive oh, father. Yeah, there's one. There's one. So there's a kid in the class who he suspects might be Crisp's kid because he's, you know, he keeps to himself. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's clearly got emotional issues. But then, uh, well, uh, it's discovered. Not for nothing, though. The kids treat him like shit. Like they call him a poo poo head. Oh. oh, totally. Oh, I'm not letting them off the hook. But what I'm saying is, like, it makes a lot of sense that he might suspect that this is the kid. But then when he finally confronts the mother, it becomes very obvious that the kid's father beats him. And man, oh, man, does he give him a nice little sock to the gut. And the scene where Kimball is with the principal and he's like, apologizing and saying it won't happen again she's like how did it feel to hit that son of a bitch the way <laughs> she says that line is wonderful I'm sorry I shouldn't have hit the man especially in front of the children it was a mistake I checked you out there is no record of you ever having told at any public school in California or anywhere else Mr. Kimball, you have no teaching experience whatsoever, do you? Someone finally noticed. I thought the introduction of a ferret was a horrible idea, but the children seemed to like it. I thought the use of your police whistle was outrageous, but... It's all I could think of. Please allow me to finish. Sorry. But it worked. I have no idea what kind of police officer you are, but you're a very good teacher. Thank you. Now, will you tell me something? Don't lie. What did it feel like to hit that son of a bitch? It felt great. Well, uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early. Thank you. Yeah. And when she, when he leaves and she does that little punch in the air, oh, it's so satisfying. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so funny. There's so many like logic holes in this in this movie and. Yes, you have to. Yes, part of it is remembering that this is made in like 1990. So, yeah, uh, bef- like a lot of things have changed about schools since then. Totally. Although I will say having uh, visited Astoria, Oregon and having been to Astoria Elementary, not inside, of course. It's uh, John Jacob Astor Elementary, I believe. Oh, uh, yes. But in the movie, it's yes. Astoria Elementary, yeah. Yes, no, no. It like it looks the same. Yeah, 
I, I was there. I want to say it's a historic landmark as far as we're concerned. Well, I mean, I and it's it's crazy because also like you know the Goonies was was shot there. Mm-hmm. Parts of Short Circuit. Uh, you go back to, you, and and you go there, and there are certain spots where you're just like, yes, that is exactly what just like frozen in time, like where like where the where chunks at like the pizza shop and he's at the arcade when the uh the cops are chasing the fratellis in the beginning i mean like we were just kind of going past i was like that is exactly where chunk <laughs> puts the pizza slice up against the window right so yeah so it's pretty cool and um i'll i'll, I'll post that p- picture on instagram yeah uh, at, at, at ruined childhood spot so yeah yeah i <laughs> Also, a big shout out to Pamela Reed, who plays Phoebe, the partner. She's so good in this. I love Pamela Reed. Pamela Reed is so good, and her fiance in this is played by Bob Nelson of Brain Donors. Yes. So that's a big one for us. And one of my another one of my favorite actresses who's in this. Um, when when Kimball and Phoebe are on the flight to oh. uh, to Oregon. The concerned stewardess is none other, none other than, and I almost said Dame because that's how highly I think of her, Angela Bassett. Uh-huh. Dame, that's eh, right. fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Dame Angela Bassett. Yeah. Well, uh, so also Penelope Ann Miller is awesome as Joyce, the the ex of uh, Crisp and the love interest of Kimball. She's amazing. It's a and well she's cast so perfect movie. in this. Yeah. Uh we've got Kathy Moriarty as the like sultry single mom who's like I don't know. I don't bake cakes and cookies. So I thought she I brings would like a pony. Yeah. It's so crazy. Uh, how did she get the pony? So there? <laughs> there are so many weird things about that that I just don't want to know. Yeah. Um also stealing the show. We have Miko Hughes and Sarah Rose Carr as not like not even the main kid in the class, but they're like just kids in the class and they steal the show. Yeah, but Miko Hughes, like of all, and there were a lot of lines from this movie. Pet Cemetery's Miko Hughes, but yeah, he's this Mercury Rising's Miko Hughes. (laughs) Uh, I mean, he really had a good like five years where he was just like killing it. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. (laughs) But Sarah Rose Carr, who plays Emma, uh, is just like, she's so memorable and she plays her role like so naturally. I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess. Yeah, and like the scene where she has to go to the bathroom and can't unbuckle her thing. And it's just like, that just feels so real. My dad works on computers and he's um, the boss of his company. And um, he has a mustache and a beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't have that much hair. And he, his head is so big that he can't wear any hats. I, John, so much of this movie, as I was watching it, despite the like major logic holes, there is a lot of this that rings very true. Like when he go when he goes running out of the school on his first day and just screams, mm-hmm. I, there's a point in almost every morning where I have felt that way. Oh my god! Not maybe not every morning, but like <laughs> a lot. Well, it's I mean you know it's a lot. So I totally felt it. I have a whistle that I use. I was when I when I taught middle school, they they part of like my you know okay here's here's some supplies here's a whistle. Like, oh, why do you need a whistle? <laughs> you teach in middle school. Police uh, school. Police there school. Oh, man. I've tried it. And I, there, there are so many times because, like, these kids, like, they have a tendency to be, like, they can be really whiny and they do this thing. Like, Wah. And I was like, you kids are soft. You lack discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, just a couple other people I want to mention in this. So uh, it's directed by Ivan Reitman. Jason Reitman. Director Jason Reitman plays the kid in the uh, the fire scene at the end, who's smooching on some girl, thinking that it's a fire drill. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a fun way to uh, like. Oh, Dad, can I be in your movie? Sure. Yeah, sure. Y- you get to make out 
I'm going to direct you. You still want to be in it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, um, for sure. Yeah, go ahead. So, more shout outs? Oh, no, that was pretty much it for the for the shout outs. How about Carol Baker? That's as, right. As Eleanor Crisp, Crisp's mother of the Crisp drug yes. empire. And that's perfectly segueing into what I'm about to talk about. So they have a very bizarre dynamic, the two of them. You think? And... Yeah, I do think, Dan. Huh, what, what how about tells that? It, yeah. What, what well, tells so there there's like a very bizarre pseudo like Munchausen by proxy situation going on. I uh, when she's at like the pharmacy in Astoria getting all this like children's medicine for when they kidnap his son and he's like, "What do you need all this stuff for? You used to like you know, load all this stuff with me when I was a kid and I never got sick. And she's like, that's my point exactly. So it's like, what happened? What was going on? There's a lot of backstory there. Yeah. And clearly the Munchausen by proxy thing is very different because he knows he wasn't sick. She was just medicating him. But yeah, their, their, their dynamic is really, really twisted. And that's a whole other movie. Just the two of them. Yes, yeah. The whole thing about Crisp getting his kid back, it really makes me wonder, like, what is it, why is it really that he wants his kid? Is it just a matter of principle that he has his kid back because she took him away from him? Well, there's, yeah. So the there was a whole thing at the beginning that's all about how she took $3 million from him and disappeared. And then we find out later that that was a lie that he told, that Crisp told, in order to get to entice people to get information about where they are, thinking that they could get some money for it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what the situation was. Yeah, yeah. But there really was no money. Right. Which you yeah. think, I mean, I don't know, I guess maybe, yeah, I mean, it, it's not like they could really track that. Yeah, so like everyone's everyone's after her and right so the movie really starts with uh you know they're at this shopping mall and this like scuzzy junkie guy and his junkie girlfriend the aforementioned junkie witness are meeting crisp like in a weird storage area and he is trying to sell him information and uh, he basically just tells him that he saw the ex-wife in as he says oregon but he is corrected in that it is Oregon. Yes. Uh, which, as somebody who lives in Oregon, but grew up not knowing how to properly pronounce it, because I think that that information just didn't travel to New Jersey. It's because until when we recently. were in elementary school and we were told to play the Oregon Trail, it was pronounced Oregon Trail, and thus it was done. Yeah, and now everybody's realizing, like, oh no, that's not what it's called. Okay, Nevada. Nevada. <laughs> Nevada. So um right, so he finds out that they're in uh that they're in Astoria and he just shoots the guy. And and this that it actually brings me to a point that I want to bring up. So in reading a lot of the I was reading a lot of the reviews and critiques and there's a lot about like oh well it being a, a kids movie and like oh well this is you know well this it's very violent for a kids movie. It's rated PG thirteen, meaning it's not a kids movie. It is not for young kids. It was for it's for kids who, like me, were you know tweens. I was thirteen when the movie came out. Rode my bike into town to the Cranford Twin. Oh, okay. I remember it had snowed. There was snow on the ground. It was not right. This came snowing. out December, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. W- must have gone like opening weekend. Took my matinee money, like whatever four bucks. Uh huh. And 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 went and saw Kindergarten Cop. At- I mean, I know that I must have seen this really, really young, and I think that the violence. And all of the drug stuff just didn't register for me. Either that or it did. And that's why I am the way I am today. <laughs> well, but I am by that. I mean, a huge kindergarten cop fan. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, kindergarten cop. Oh, oh, I have another actor shout out. Oh, yes. 
Before I forget, sorry, it feels just in there that we're in there, but let's not forget Lowell, the child who asks, um, who's obsessed with death and oh, thinks yeah. Arnold's headache is due. That's Ross Mallinger of Sleepless in Seattle. It's oh, a kid no who way. plays Tom Hanks' son in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. So, yeah, okay. way to go, Ross Mallinger. Um, that kid always reminded me of Scott, our brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has a Scottish quality. They had a similar not, look. Not not Scottish like from Scotland, but like Scott. Right. You know, ish. Ish. Scott-esque. Yeah. Scott-esque. There we go. There you go. But no, it, it's a really lovely movie. No matter, I think that whatever age you are, it totally works. And yeah. even the violence isn't extremely aggressive. The drug stuff isn't extremely aggressive. No, but it's. Uh, I was reading uh, as I as I often do in the IMDb trivia that Arnold felt that the movie would have made more money had there been less violence. But Ivan Reitman felt that without the vi- without the vi- especially like the end. I think they were really talking about like the violence towards the end. Uh huh. In the school and. Uh, and Ivan Reitman was like, well, but you kind of need that. Like, that's the re- that's the climax. That's the, you know, we're chasing down a violent drug dealer. Sure. Yeah. Or I think he's a drug dealer. I've always assumed that. Probably because of the ponytail. He's not. Well, he's not a dealer. He's a. Oh, a supplier. A, yeah, he's a supplier. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Oh, and that ponytail. Well. Wow. It's a magnificent ponytail. It's it's quite the ponytail. It screams so, 1990. Yeah. So, Dan, I have to know, have you watched the sequel, Kindergarten Cop 2? I have not. I know. But you okay. have? I did the other day. And holy moly. All right. So it came out in, I think, 2016. It was straight to streaming. And it stars Dolph Lundgren as... An FBI agent, and this all takes place in Seattle. So he is a an FBI agent who's trying to bust this like Armenian mafia. I don't know, like bigwig kind oh, of. Oh yeah, we have a lot of those in Seattle. A lot of Armenian yeah. mafia bigwigs. So they it starts off because they had this guy in custody who was trying to sell somebody. I uh, the. FBI witness protection database. Oh. Yes. And the Armenian mafia had killed his friend who had the list and they were coming after him. And his friend was a kindergarten teacher at a hoity-toity, very progressive school. Okay. And... Yes. So the idea was that he would go undercover as the kindergarten teacher, the new kindergarten teacher, to find the flash drive that had the information on it. And, of course, the school is extremely liberal, and he is not. And they tried to make this point that liberal ideals and progressive ideals and naming your kids hippy dippy things and solving problems using logic and discussion is for sissies and there's like a whole thing about how like he can't say indian style anymore it's crisscross applesauce and he can't use the r word when talking about how he thinks something is not the way he would want to do it we'll just put it that way and what they end up doing is proving the opposite, the value in all of that stuff. But I'm pretty sure that they tried to make the opposite point. You, you think they were trying to make the opposite point? They had this like progressive school as a way of like, it's a, a, in a form of mockery. M- mocking, mocking. Pro- yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's actually, it's it's interesting because I feel like it's almost contradictory to to what he does in in the original kindergarten cop by turning him into the police. Well, even though, yes, even though he turns them into the police, but what does he turn them into the police? No, he doesn't turn them into police. He gives them structure because they need it. 
Like, and, and this is as, so now we, we get the teacher take on it because I, I don't, I don't, I'm sure I've watched this movie like at least once, probably twice since I've started teaching, but what I've really like come to understand and learn is that like really the most successful teachers are the teachers who are, they're genuine and they also have a system in their classroom and they, it's yeah. their system. Like you can get lesson plans online. You can get lesson plans from people. I always had a lot more trouble. I would, could, I would, feel better and I would have a better day going in without a plan and just knowing like, all right, I got to get them to do this today and I'll figure it out rather than trying to use other people's plans and not at least just taking the content and making and making it your own. It's you're setting yourself up for failure. If you're just trying to do what somebody else did and we all go into other teachers classrooms and see the amazing things they do. Um, But they're amazing because they're what that, person sure does yeah. yes so you know in my class there's a lot more movie references oh, big surprise mm, go figure but that's how i can kind of uh, that's how i can relate things and usually it's I, I the trouble is finding movies that i feel like my students have mostly seen because uh-huh. i keep like all right so um all right raise your hand if you've seen altman's the last goodbye yeah raise your hand anytime oh any, me, yeah, me, me. Yeah, John, because, yeah, <laughs> right. So, but, and I think, like, what he's, he's successful once he goes in and he's like, okay, this is what I know and this is kind of what works for me and how do I adapt this to a, to kindergarten? So it's really just taking it and taking what he would normally do if he was training police officers and just scaling it down and saying, okay, well, what? So rather than running a, you know, whatever, an emergency drill or something, we run a fire drill and I bang on the little bell. Uh huh. And we do that. And, you know, but he also, the other side of it is he puts on the straw hat and strums the ukulele and does sure, the McDonald totally. while Emma does the hula. No, yeah. That's why it's the original kindergarten cop works. And it's also why nobody has seen Kindergarten Cop 2 except me. And it, yeah, it's missing that element. It's missing the the understanding element, which uh, I, I can't even really put my finger on where Kindergarten Cop 2 went completely wrong. But it's just like they watched Kindergarten Cop once and were just like, all right, got it. Let's go make ours now. And just completely scrambled trying to figure it out and Mm. the other thing is that Dolph Lundgren is 60 and he starts like dating a 25 year old and it is bizarre it's pretty icky it's like he is clearly very 60 yeah uh also he has an obsession with Twix candy bars that's kind of a running thing in the movie it's his vice so they must have given some money. Does he do like the left side, right side thing? Nope. He no. just likes Twix a whole lot. That's all. I don't know. It's oh. it's very bizarre. Yeah. It's very bizarre. I like Twix. Why not? Yeah. And I believe that they approached Arnold Schwarzenegger to do a cameo, but his schedule wouldn't allow it. But I think that's more of an in quotes situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, although at that, I'm trying to think if he would have been working on Terminator Genesis around that time. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, I know. We don't no, know I exactly know. what was happening Look, at I, exactly what time. Yeah. But I, if I were in any way associated with the original Kindergarten Cop and someone approached me about being part of Kindergarten Cop 2 and I saw that script, I'd be like, ah, my schedule's really crazy right now. It's like they got the woman who plays Miss Schlowski's assistant and they brought her back right. and, and she's like, oh, I worked at a school once where something like this happened and shit got yeah, crazy. I know. So Miss Schlowski's assistant who looks like she is plucked out of the 60s, you know, she's kind of going for that like a retro look. And at first I saw her and I was like, 
man, she really looks out of place and like really weird. And then I was like, you know what? If I was her age at that time, I would have dated her. That's how this would have gone. I was like that, that weird person who doesn't look like they're from this era. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's your, yeah, she's your Uh, type. So the other, the other thing that I want to mention, uh, and just going back to Linda Hunt briefly to celebrate uh, the amazingness that is Linda Hunt, who, first of all, she really found her look after this, after this era by doing that, like Bob haircut and everything. But also she followed up this movie with another amazing classic performance, the Richard Grieco, If Looks Could Kill. Oh, yes. I always expect when I see her to like, see her like grab her necklace and pull it off and it's like this whip. Oh, wow. I for I forgot about that. I forgot she was in that. Oh my God, she's so good. She's the villain. <laughs> well, yeah, now I remember her and like Roger Rees. Yeah, I think so. So Dan, kindergarten cop, what would you do? Oh, wow. Okay, what would I do? The problem with, so, I mean, I, I think at this point, a sequel isn't isn't happening, uh, like a real sequel. Um, and I don't know what, honestly, I don't know what you would have done with a sequel at the time that wouldn't have just been, like, this This movie is kind of, as good as it is, it is kind of built around this concept of we're taking a tough guy. And, and there were, I mean, there were some other people up, for, like Patrick Swayze was up for the, Bill Murray, I think, was considered. Right, I saw Bill Murray, yeah. Yeah. That would have been very different. But taking a, like, taking, and I, just with Arnold, like, that's the right person, because that's, I think this movie was sold around that juxtaposition of Arnold, the Terminator and the beginning of the movie very much reflects that. And you have to remember at this point, he really had only done one movie that was, well, wasn't action. I want to think if he had done a movie that wasn't rated R other than twins, other than twins. Right. Yeah. Which is another movie that is sold on the juxtaposition. Right, of Arnold Schwarzenegger next to a smaller person. Um, On the poster. Well, I feel like, well, and I feel like that's what they, they were like kindergarten. They were, they were like, well, wait a second. What if we surrounded them with like 20 Danny DeVitos? And, yeah, right. <laughs> and one of them talks about vaginas all the time. Yeah, I would have loved there is a There's a moment in the, uh, in Kindergarten Cop 2, where one kid says like, my sister has a vagina. And it's like, you don't understand why it was funny the first time. Now it's weird. Now it's just weird. They established the fact. Yes, then it's just weird. They established the fact this kid's dad is a gynecologist. And so that's why he's always talking about anatomy. My dad is a gynecologist and he looks at vaginas all day long. It works. They justify it. It's great. Yeah. Plus, he's tiny and he's adorable. So, right. I, I, so what would I do with it? I, I, first of all, I would love to just totally see a spinoff of prequels detailing like the rise of the crisp, dr- like crime family. The crisp right, you get, you get the mother son empire story a little bit more. And and yes, there would be a, like the matriarch of the family would be Cookie Crisp. Uh, <laughs> so. I, I like I, I just I want to know, like, who was calling Crisp's father? Like, what did he do? I, I I wish like Peter Fonda was still alive to like to play Colin Crisp. I, that's who I picture as like Colin Crisp's father, Peter Fonda. Really? I don't know. why huh. It popped into my head. Peter Fonda, because um, it's kind of like it's the hairstyle without the ponytail. So, OK, yeah. All right. No, like a like a I, limey, like a like a late '90s Peter Fonda, like limey Yuli's Gold. So I'm thinking, and I don't know if the ages would really match up, but I guess it depends on what year you would do it. But I love uh, Albert Brooks in Drive, seeing him play like a real mean bad guy. I could see him doing it. Wait, Albert Brooks as oh as 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 Daddy Crisp as yeah Papa Crisp 
Yes. Papa Chris. Yes. Uh, so really the only thing I, I would do with this other than I, I don't, I wouldn't do, I don't think I'd even do a remake because w- what's, what's the point? What are you going to? Well, and that's another thing about kindergarten cop two is that it shouldn't be labeled as a sequel with the two after it, because there's no connection to the first one. It really just is a remake. Right. Um, the I think the the only other thing I, I would do with it is try to adapt it into a series mm-hmm. and have it yeah. where it's like over the course of the season. And you could even, I mean, it would be kind of funny. You could do like different, it wouldn't have to be same things, but it's like just different stories of cops who have to go undercover as teachers. Uh-huh. And like kind of what they what they experience, what they get into. And I mean, I don't think you're going to have, you're not going to set everything up with like, okay, well I'm going there to be the cop and my partner here is going to be the teacher and Oh, food poisoning looks like I'm the teacher. Now I think it would have to be a little more deliberate, but I could see some type of, of series with kindergarten cop. Or based on that yeah. that concept of the cop well, going undercover. Also, it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it was Kimball or Phoebe, it was still going to be a kindergarten cop either way. So it doesn't necessarily need to be like the big bulky macho guy right. juxtaposed with the little children. It could be, you know, somebody who looks like more more of your traditional kindergarten teacher. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's an, I wonder, I think there does need to be some aspect to it of like, because the thing with, with O'Hara was she had some teaching experience. So right. Phoebe O'Hara, I never mentioned her. Last Phoebe time. O'Hara. Yeah. Uh, and oh, she's so amazing in the scene, that dinner scene, when she uh, when just she pretends to be a sister, becomes his sister, Ursula, and she just like dives in with the whole menu and like, patting the waitress's arm is a good oh arms. yeah yeah so good uh but i the thing is you're not going to if you were going to do it i would trust one person jason katums uh because, okay well because the guy has a gift he can adapt he can take a movie and take the essence something that makes that movie special and give, give it me an example like, parenthood right Okay. Oh, right. Because you're talking about doing it as a series. Yeah. If you're so doing you're it talking as a- about doing it more along that that kind of mood, that vibe. Well, okay. Maybe not. All right. Maybe not that. Maybe not quite that mood. Because I also wouldn't just want it to be okay. Well, here's the movie, and we're just gonna repeat all the jokes episode after episode. Uh, it would have to be different somehow. So I don't know necessarily how you would. How it would be, I really don't think anything needs to be done with this. I think Kindergarten Cop can stand alone. People, I think, remember it fondly. It holds up, I think, really well. It, it holds up great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things you have to, there's a lot of things that now, that watching it now, you kind of have to push. There's a, like the scene with Zach Sullivan where he's, he's like smashing the cars together and the kids are all calling him a poo poo face and a poo poo head. Right. And, and, you know, in 2020, you're kind of thinking about like, oh, God, I hope this kid doesn't become, you know, like so many of, of these kids who feel like outcasts and and eventually go and, well, and shoot. <laughs> that Right. I mean, 1990 is a time before that was what it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's pre-Columbine. So, yeah. So you see it. And on the other hand, what's scary about that is as I'm sitting there and I'm seeing how easily like Crisp can kind of sneak into the school. I was thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, some, uh, someone could kind of get into, I mean, not these days, but like it wasn't. Well, he is, he's, he's established that he is a parent who is scouting the school out. Right. For his kid because they're moving to Astoria. Uh, yeah. So, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. He establishes that there is a reason for him to be there. Yes. Nowadays, schools have different security measures, but he has his story. Mm-hmm. You know what I wonder? 
the the father who wanted to buy the 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 racetrack for oh, yeah. his kid. I'm like, was that kid in Dominic's class? Like, which? <laughs> like, why don't we see him later? <laughs> Does he not live in a story? Oh, like at the at the town fair? Oh wait, the town fair is the same day. Is that the same day? No, that's the day before the. No, I think it's the same. No, it's the same day. It's the same because... day as, as what? Oh, as 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 crisp. When Cullen goes to the toy store to get a gift for, for Dominic, mm. that's the that's the day of the like the school fair, because that's the day that uh, Kimball tells Joyce that he's a cop, and then right. oh, the next day is so then yeah. I don't know. I, no, 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 yeah, yeah, no. So, oh, that's what I was talking about with Chris because then he sneaks into the school to set the fire because right. that's not the same day that he goes in as the he has to. No, he does have that's to sneak in. He does sneak in. But talking about that scene where they tell her and Pamela Reed's amazing acting in it, there is that yeah, one line. We're not who you think we are. Every time she says it, I was just like. That is like made for the trailer, but not the trailer for this movie. It's for trailer for another movie. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like her character would not have said it that way. Yeah, yeah. Because like like, they formed a a bit of a relationship. Like she knows that there's a better way to probably go about that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not Austrian. (laughs) Hey, John, you tell her. I'm going to stay out of this. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I always found I always found that line amusing, and even though it doesn't fit tonally and it doesn't really fit her character, love the way she says it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, no, it's great. She's awesome. Yeah. So I what did have yeah. I did have an idea for a sequel, not to say it's a good one or that it should happen, but. It's, as we said on our last episode, a thought experiment. So, in my sequel, Kimball and Joyce are happily married, retired, and still living in Astoria. Dominic lives with them still and has severe PTSD from his childhood experiences. Kimball hears from the elementary school principal that the parent of one of the kids in the kindergarten class is running drugs and is using his son to unknowingly transport the drugs in his backpack <gasps> through his after-school program. Your jaw just dropped. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So Kimball needs to come out of retirement, find the kid, and put an end to his dad's operation, all with the help of his stepson, Dominic, played by Chris Pratt. His, uh, uh, yeah, his son-in-law. Real, real life. Real yeah. life son-in-law. Tying it in. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, how do you get Kimball, who's, what, 70? Like, how do you, in his 70s, like, how do you get him back in the mix? Because it's like, this movie, or, or what's great about Kindergarten Cop is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, that is what makes it so watchable and so memorable is just like his performance and when i watched it the other day and i saw the beginning and like how he has got like a beard and he looks like all scuzzy and stuff i was like man like i just forget about that and then you see the way that he transforms into the kindergarten teacher and it's just like there he is yeah, there's our guy. There's well, our boy, and I've it's your boy Arnie. It's your boy. <laughs> um, I'm a bit. I'm a big fan. I've 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 now bought three of his t-shirts. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm a big fan of Arnold and uh, whiskey and Lulu. Yeah. So uh, whiskey and Lulu would definitely be in the kindergarten cop sequel. Well, and and it's funny because when I saw. You know, when like uh, Kathy Moriarty comes in with the donkey and I'm like, is that whiskey or Lulu? No, (laughs) of course it it wouldn't be. Uh, Right. But generally speaking, Arnold, his movies kind of all started that way or had that scene where he was, you know, pursuing someone. And I mean, how many malls has Arnold fought in? Like both like Terminator 1, Terminator 2, Mm -hmm. Commando... Uh, I forget. I want to say there's a, a mall scene in Last Action Hero. 
Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mixing them all together. I don't. I don't remember. But yeah, it's yeah. You really can't have it without Arnold. He's the centerpiece, and he's. I feel like there's something about him that I always or I almost always believe. I think the movies yeah. where I don't like him as much are the movies where I I don't I don't buy it. Where I don't I don't uh-huh. buy it from him. And and I know that that's weird to say, but like in Terminator in the in Terminator he's very convincing. Uh Yeah. I think it's one of the problems I have with Last Action Hero sometimes is is some of the things it it feels a little not him. I I like I I like Last Action Hero. I think that some of the movies where I'm just kind of like whatever are more like Eraser or um what's uh there was like another one around that time the where I was just day. like The Sixth Day. The Sixth Day. End of like, Days. Meh. End of Days. Yeah, just like all of those I'm just kind of like all right, they're starting to all blend together. But then there's ones like even Commando I believe him more in yes. it. and his like relationship with his daughter and yes. like there are those moments where he just really really shines and even in the last goodbye I believe <laughs> his character I believe that he is just a hired thug that is there to do whatever the boss tells him to do I believe that he has a lot of muscles he has so many muscles and they're very big they are yeah. very big. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, he's he's really wonderful. Uh, I even the bad movies are enjoyable. The good movies are like I don't know. They're oh, so memorable. True great. lies. Like we could talk about Arnold. Total Recall. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Big big fan of Arnold's. Um, and and also like love what he's doing with his charity, the After School All Stars. Right. And I know he's got something going with Edward Norton. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I forget cool. exactly what it is, but he and Edward Norton are But my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is probably one that I've already mentioned on this episode, Dave, <laughs> where he has a cameo as himself talking about good health practices. Gotta love old Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dave, the Charles Grodin classic. He stops Kevin Klein from eating a donut, if I remember correctly. Oh, it's wonderful. Yes, yes you do remember correctly. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Wonderful. Let's talk a little bit about desserts. What you don't want to do is eat donuts. No donuts. Thank you, Arnold. Whoa! So, I don't know, Dan, anything else you have to say about Kindergarten Cop? Not. M- it's not a tumor. It's not. <laughs> it's not a dog. It's a ferret. This movie oh. has so many amazing lines. The Oh, it's my ferret. How how does, ferret. how does the ferret not make itself known until they are on the drive from Portland to Astoria, which seems to take, <laughs> their entire travel day seems to take longer than it should because they eat breakfast on the plane and then it, it seems like it's the middle of the night by the time they get to Astoria. And I feel like the LA to Portland to Astoria trip is not quite that long, so... Although she was very sick. She's very sick. She's very, a lot of, lot of stops along the way. Yeah. Yeah. story is about two hours away from Portland on a good traffic day. Yeah. It is, it's know. beautiful. And uh, I, I, they, you get to see, you see some Cannon Beach in the background with those beautiful uh, rocks that, that are famous from the Goonies. Iconic. Yeah, yeah, iconic. Yeah. So that's that's yeah, John, what I mean, what do you have to say? What do you um what do you think? Would you be so your your daughter is, you know, she'll be kindergarten age. Would you would you want her to have Mr. Kimball as a kindergarten teacher? Absolutely, yes. Oh, she yes. needs to learn some discipline. Oh. She needs some structure. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, my my I'd child. love to see how he would handle her. <laughs> You're soft. <laughs> I'm not a policeman. I'm a princess. That, that would be cool. Uh, so good. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else that I have to add. Well, if you, our wonderful listeners, have anything you want to add, send us an email, ruinchildhoodspod at gmail.com. 
And hey, don't forget to shout out your favorite teachers, teachers who have made a difference in in your lives. I, for one, aside from the cinematic teachers who have influenced me, like John Kimball, I got to shout out Eileen Dacknowitz and Susan Rivkin and Ed Roberts, who are three teachers I had in high school who have been an influence ever since. So I guess if I had to shout out one teacher, it would actually be a college professor, Dan Friedlander. He taught a lot of my film studies classes, a lot of which I took because he was teaching them. There was a horror films one, a road movies one. Uh, there, there were a lot of really great ones that I took with Dan Friedlander. Solid dude. Yeah. So teachers. Wore a lot of giant sweaters and sandals. <laughs> college professor. Um, yeah, college so professor. keep up the good work, teachers. Please do not play any uh, who is your daddy and what does he do. Yeah, especially first thing. That's a little... Yeah, that's not a good... That's a day three or four activity. <laughs> that's that's not the icebreaker you want to lead off with. But no. uh, so, uh, John, anything, anything else you want to add? No, other than the fact that uh, our next episode is another Millie DeCherico pick. Dan, do you want to let everyone know what it is? Yes. The movie Head, uh, starring the monkeys... Co-written by Jack Nicholson and directed by Bob Raffleson. It is. <laughs> I, I'm excited to talk about it also because it means I get to watch it again. Yes. And if you haven't seen it and you can get your hands on a copy or stream yeah. it somewhere, watch it because it, I don't think you'll see too many movies like this movie. There's really nothing like it. No. It really it's isn't. it's extremely trippy. Uh, the music in it is, of course, amazing. And whether or not you are a monkeys fan, it is just straight up enjoyable. It's a fascinating movie, and uh, we'll be talking about we'll be talking a lot about what makes it so fascinating. So very excited for that uh, for that conversation. Right on, me too. On that note, John, a good journey to you. Good journey. Thank you.